Save That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Lynn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Well, if you say so. So joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. All of us say so, Glenn. All of us. (laughs) So say us all. He intentionally misquotes just to make nerds angry. (laughs) Joining us from an uncharacteristically frozen Oak Ridge, Tennessee, one of the pastors at Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I didn't say anything, and I don't appreciate people putting words in my mouth. That's what I got to say about that. Whoa, I'm I'm detecting some attitude from Mr. Younger. That was weirdly aggressive. (laughs) You know why? It's because all that cold weather made its way down to Tennessee. That's true. The southeastern United States, as we record this on... Sunday, January, February the 22nd, is going through a bit of an ice snap. Now, yeah. have they technically declared a state of emergency in the I state of Tennessee? Actually, we actually did declare yeah, a state of emergency. Yeah, that's almost positive. That, that well, actually did happen. Given that they have a literal official state of emergency, it <laughs> feels right. like we would be doing a disservice to not off of that. Well, what what do you think we might do off of that, Glenn? Well, we we got to do something. I mean, we could feel sorry for them, but that's not really what we do. I think I need to declare an emergency. Oh, my goodness. There's oh, wow. an emergency. Tell us more. Look, here's the emergency. Okay, look. I know that you guys are all used to having snow and ice and the whole thing. Yes. But my, we have had so much snow and ice that my children have not gone to school in six school days, and wow. it needs to end. <laughs> and I went through the school system, Lee's children are in, and I was telling the guys before we started, I don't think we had six school days the entire 15 years I was in school, or yeah. 12 years. What's the normal number? What did I say? <laughs> we didn't have a lot of snow days, is what I'm saying. In the last episode, Matt mentioned a, a shady institution called Crazy Dave's what surgery shack Discount or something. surgery warehouse? <laughs> <laughs> well, now, Lee, when you say... You're desperate to have these children go back to school. Is that because you just care so much about their education? <laughs> well, obviously. Sure. Well, we'll, we'll go ahead and call them. it that. Look, here's the deal. Everybody everybody knows I love my kids. They're right. adorable and wonderful and amazing. Right. But open the school. <laughs> Let <laughs> them go back to the place. <laughs> Where they go for seven hours. <laughs> now, here's what... There are several things I find fascinating about all this. One is the weather system that we, are, that, that, that we deal with here in Chicago literally blows into Tennessee. The same weather system becomes a disaster yeah. when it gets to Tennessee. In Chicago, you know, hey, you know, you guys are used to it. So what? You know, okay... <laughs> So that's problem number one. Here's problem number two, and this one's serious, y'all. Uh-oh. And this is an actual weather fact. Okay, hit me. I love facts. They did a, a thing, a meteorological study of where sure. is this weather coming from. Do you know where they find out where this front, they trace the b- front back to where did this front originate? I, I'm assuming this is not going to, the answer is not going to be sin. Siberia. Really? Ruskies. (laughs) (laughs) All right, easy, Palin. Yeah, that's that's culturally sensitive. Let me tell you what. 
this the, is, the Russian Federation is the fourth largest national listenership of this podcast. I'll have you know. That's wow. also a fact. Are you serious? Really? I think so. Dude, That's, this is the bridge one. I forget which one I looked up. Well, um, so okay. Esteemed comrades, yeah. we appreciate. <laughs> to your be fair, contributions. We probably don't have a lot of listeners in Siberia. I, I was, a, I was, probably, I was honestly sure that Jeb was going to bust out Russian Jet at that moment. It's probably tough to get. L, <laughs> it's probably tough to get LTE reception to download the podcast in Siberia. Duh! Look, here's the oh, problem. Man, let's <laughs> wow, that's all we get. That's Just not. Duh. That's, that's as it. much as we should get. <laughs> here's the problem: is I'm a huge John Oliver fan, right? And I so love his woefully offensive and wrong Russian character. I right. feel like I could never do that justice. Yes, right, right, so, right. And yep. I, We're hamstrung compared to a lot of pure comedy podcasts in that at some point we have to transition to giving hopefully helpful advice to people <laughs> to the people we've just horrifically offended. Duh. Right. So we've got to kind of walk the line a little bit. But Lee, I declare war on the Ruskies. <laughs> Look, they sent well, their... Well, it worked for Reagan. They, they sent their icicles to us. We ain't going to take it. <laughs> We're fighting back, okay? Glenn, uh, it, I hope this ends in Glenn shirtlessly riding a horse a la Putin. Oh, please. I, let me tell you what. Vladimir and me, here's, what we're gonna, here's what's going to happen. We're both going to take our shirts off. We're both going to get on horseback, and we're going to settle this thing. <laughs> Are y'all going to have, like, a shirtless joust? Now, that's, that's diplomacy. Ex- that's exactly what needs to happen. <laughs> Let me tell you what, if you're freezing your tukas off in the, the northeastern <laughs> United States, seeing someone uh, 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 bare-chestedly <laughs> wrestle <laughs> with Vladimir Putin, I think that's going to make you feel a lot better about your so life. So you're saying you know? this thing, okay, when you and, and Putin face off right. in the bare-chested joust, yeah. it's going to ground. Like yes. th- that's the, that's where that's well, where we wind up. Putin Absolutely. is a judo is a judo champion, so I right. imagine this is going to get grapply pretty quick. Well, look, here's the thing: we've all seen, or at least I have, because I watch stupid action movies all the time. We've all seen the action movie where it's the Russian double agent that wants you to feel our pain at last, right? right. We've all seen that Didn't movie. We just talk about not doing the accent. <laughs> we've all we've, look. It's not the problem. He can he can do the accent. It's not a big deal. It's not. He's not a big deal. You wait oh, here. Man. Okay, so we've all <laughs> seen. That got a little guy who runs a Greek sandwich shop. <laughs> and, and a little little teeny bit of Dracula in there also. Yeah. I like that. It's I really like that. kind of pan-East Asian. <laughs> okay. But, you know, he wants to, you know, at last you'll feel our pain. Right. right? Yeah, right. That's what's going on. And I have proof. Okay. So, and I'm, I'm, I have no idea how to say this. Novosibirsk is the biggest city in Siberia. Okay. okay. Um, I have their weather up. And I have the weather here in Chicago. Right. In the span of the next four hours, it will be dramatically colder in Chicago than in Novosibirsk, Siberia. I think. <laughs> now, That's this transitions us, as we often happens, from an emergency to an intervention. And here's what you, you folks out there need to know about Jed and his own <laughs> mental health. <laughs> Brother Jed's from Miami. Live right. in Georgia. Yes. Came here. Yes. For some reason, on you know, on the weather app, weather.com app, you can like have a bunch of cities who travel a lot. So he's got Chicago. Yep. He's got for misery comparison, Barrow, Alaska. That's correct. And then he's got for even more misery comparison, <laughs> Miami and Los Angeles. That's correct. Right. So whenever we're around, we're getting in the car to get something like say, Man, it's cold, and Joe just like go. Do you have any idea what the temperature is in Miami right now at <laughs> one o'clock in the morning? Yeah, it's seventy. 
It's 60 degrees warmer than it is here. And that's what Jed does to drive himself insane. Right now, listeners, it's 10 p.m., 11 in Miami. Here in uh, Chicago right now, it's 10 degrees, and it's going to drop to below zero by tomorrow morning. It's 10 degrees right now. It is 72 in my hometown of Miami right now. At 11 o'clock at night. At 11 o'clock at night right now, it is 62 degrees warmer, and tomorrow it will climb to 81. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Is it's seventy two degrees right now it, outdoors in Miami at night? I guarantee you that's warmer than it is in this house. In <laughs> no question. Yes, I promise. This is you not a joke. A couple weeks ago, when Lee was away, he was away. He was flying back from a wedding that he and I went to. Our friend Taylor was getting married in Orlando. I was packing and checking the weather, and it was warmer outdoors in Orlando at ten o'clock at night than it was in my heated apartment in Chicago. <laughs> well, if look, here is what I am saying is. I think we try to stage this bare-chested joust in Miami because that's just going right. to be a whole lot easier to have. First of all, Lee, there. thank you for bringing us back to what's important. Yes, exactly yeah, right. right. Look, you can't you can't just have this thing in Vladivostok or something right, like that right. because you don't want to be on his home turf. Well, here, here's what I'm saying: international waters. Okay, you got to be neutral. I mean, to be fair. Okay, okay. Putin. Bear costume, <laughs> right? Glenn Eagle costume. Yes, yes. Oh. yes. And we just go to town because the. Let me tell you what these Ruskies. <laughs> what the, it, the, this will not stand. You understand what I'm saying? Yet there's <laughs> the, wow. There's they're sending us their cold weather, and we. You know what they're doing? They're living it up. Sure. You know, because we got all the cold weather. They're doing fine. You don't really watch the news, do you, Glenn? Well, uh, can we? Just live it up in Russia. <laughs> can, here's what I'm saying is, can can Glenn, like, you know how, you know how, like, in like in the old Rocky movies, like, Apollo Apollo Creed would always come in with a lot of hoopla and stuff like that. James Brown living in America and that whole thing. Can right. Glenn come into the, into the arena, like, Jet skiing in the right. eagle costume. Yes, to sure. living in America. <laughs> yeah, I think that's you know, and I've got the stars and stripe trunks on. Sure, hat, <laughs> vest, the the whole, the the you know, and uh, YouTube it. And I I'm come I, I'm talking about pay per view now. Okay, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we film it bridge box extra. Oh, totally. <laughs> and. Uh, let me tell you, the, um, and let me just say this right now, uh, because we're th- this is what you call the 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 planning stages, you know, the 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 you know where where it all begins to come together. Sure, sure, that's but one thing to call it. Before before it goes any further, I just want to say this: if Putin doesn't show up, see, then that's going to tell us something. Absolutely, sure, well, right. this is this is officially the announcement. When okay. we have the when we have the contract like there's the you have the contract negotiations you have your writers like I have to have this here that kind of thing, but what I want is the press conference where there's like Putin yeah. sitting here you're sitting here and then at some point he mutters something under his breath to the guy beside him and you're like what and you get up and y'all just start right. throwing down right there in the press conference right and they have to pull us a- away yep. from each other That's and all it. that sure. you know and I I I call him a a, a godless commie. <laughs> And then he kind of looks at me confused, like, "Don't you know what's whatever?" And I and I'd be like, "You heard me," to kind of cover it, right? Because yeah, that, uh, right. you know, like that, sure, you know? just like that. And uh, but I, that's how I get in his head. So sure, totally, I get in his head. 
And that's when I swoop in with my eagle costume and crack his skull for sending all of his... And keeping Lee's kids out of school. The the, the children need the education. We're doing this for the children. Champion of the Parents of America, Glenn Fitzgerald. Can Can we actually get in trouble with Russia at this point with what we're saying? I, probably. I think there's a real good chance of that. Yeah. Okay. I think I think probably none of us should ever go to Russia. <laughs> based, based on what I've heard of uh, Mr. Putin, he sounds like a bit of a sensitive man to criticism. Yeah. I'm pretty sure something we've said could technically count as an assassination discussion, if not. Here, but here's the real issue we have here. Right. We we want to make money on sure. this, right? Sure. Absolutely. I think uh, I think uh, Mayweather Pacquiao just signed. Yeah. And I think Pacquiao's getting eighty million. And Mayweather's getting 120 okay. for this one fight. Okay, I think if we can get come in at even half that, sure, it'll pretty much be worth it. I, I'd be comfortable. But you got to prepare the proper exploitation. Sure. And we all know everybody, even people that know nothing about boxing, like myself, actually. But they've heard of the Rumble in the Jungle. Right. right. Now some would say that's because that's a legendary fight, and Ali was at the peak of his powers, and you know, right. television and political all came together to make this thing. But I think it's just because people like things that kind of rhyme. Sure. Right. So we're talking about cold weather. Right. We're talking about you. I think the thunder on the tundra. Wow. Ooh, that's pretty good. It's not bad. We might be able to do better, but I think we've got to have something catchy. Yeah. Right. And then everybody has to get ready to rumble. Well, I can tell you this. My kids will be at the fight. No, not that, because that phrase is very copyrighted. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. My kids will be present at the fight, because apparently they're never going back to school. Well, that's we got to have them on the sidelines for inspirational. I'm just picturing Lee's adorable, sweet, pleasant daughters jumping up and down on the side of a ring chanting kill him yes kill him yeah yeah <laughs> for kill, america kill the, kill the mean man and here's another thing because they have little tears coming down <laughs> the cheeks stop making us watch star trek every day and star wars and harry potter every single day we want to go back to school yeah. right Nah, dude, if you if you promised star wars and harry potter those kids are never leaving that house that's actually kind of uh, true that's but this is this is what we gotta we gotta we gotta do it for the children. Sure, you know what I mean. Absolutely. Well, Glenn, given Glenn that you're the guy the fighting the to send them back to school, <laughs> I think the children are going to be against you. Oh yeah, <laughs> we've got to do it against the children. <laughs> but your heart's in the right place, and that's what matters. I believe. Here's what I believe in. Tell me, freedom. Sure, America. Yes, <laughs> freedom. Well. Here's here's the the big question to me. Yeah, and it brings back if, if we're doing it for the children, right? Why why do we have to be the ones to come up with these ideas? Shouldn't the Secretary of Education be shirtless in an eagle suit right now <laughs> if, if on the, the Kremlin's doorstep, I wrestling mean, winter away? If you if you know what, if you cared, it would already be happening. And right. just in case the Secretary of Education is a woman, I don't know. Yeah, maybe was, not shirtless because that, that would be offensive. Yeah, and wrong. dude, that that got iffy real quick. Look, here's, here's Eagle costume. I would still, like though. to officially distance myself from Matt <laughs> King's comments. So, <laughs> I thought they were in poor taste. I was against that, but I will say since since we have uh, since Glenn has officially challenged the president of Russia to a fight, a joust to right. go down to an almost certain grappling. Right. I feel comfortable. I, I'm I'm satisfied. I think we can declare emergency off. All right. Well, All I right. think that's right. And if you want to 
so financially support Glenn's what will I'm sure be extensive training and eagle costume building regime. Yes. You can sign up for Bridgebox. Now, we're also going to do some, again, copyrighted. <laughs> Don't do more yeah. than 10 seconds. Now. <laughs> I, really, I, I was counting. We're really going to bankrupt this whole situation. I was doing one Mississippi, two Mississippi <laughs> while I was doing it. <laughs> you just have to do it like a third down. Yeah. So it's not technically the same melody. Uh, um, <laughs> in the meantime, until we can get this fight with Putin inked, which I'm sure is coming any day now, sure. we'll continue to hire people from the neighborhood to be part-time helpers with this ministry to do work we couldn't do and work they wouldn't be able to do if you didn't support them. We've got folks transporting people back and forth the bridge, people uh, helping folks find jobs. We've got a wonderful lady who works at the ELCA right now, which is the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, helping us with a project of recording and archiving some classic African-American hymns. All that is awesome stuff that would not exist if people didn't support Bridgebox. Not only do you get all that cool stuff, you get cool stuff for your own walk every month. Sign up missionusa.com slash bridgebox, only $8. You can sign up for the Lee Younger version, which you get exclusive music from Lee every month and some other cool stuff. Missionusa.com slash BBLY. We're now going to transfer to our first question. If you have a question for us, pardon me, hang out with us all the way to the end, and I'll get some ways to get in touch with this. This question came into our Tumblr inbox, and it says, Can we talk about ambition? Mm. Yes. Yes, we can. <laughs> I'm an individual in a competitive, creative industry, design, and I'm having a very hard time balancing the pressure to be super successful with the peace and knowledge that God has great plans for me. I feel like I'm doing well and I'm well on my way to, satis- to a satisfying career, but I find myself constantly worrying if I really have done enough or if I could have done more. I know a little ambition is good, but I'm struggling to find peace and balance in my vocation. Glenn, why don't you start us off? Well, uh, yeah. Uh, you, you you say I could have. Uh, I'm, I'm worrying if I could have done more. Yes, you definitely could have done more. Sure. Why um, didn't you, Glenn? Yeah. Why didn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can always do more. Uh, but here's the good news: you've already done too much. Uh, it's enough now. Uh, you say you feel uh, the pressure to be super successful. I'm guessing that's an external pressure that someone else has put on you. You've sort of taken that on to yourself and sort of agreed with that within yourself, and now you're trying to uh, live up to that. Uh, you actually don't need to be super successful. That's absolutely, totally optional. Yep. Uh, a lot of super successful people are not happy. Yeah, so it right. doesn't go well with them. Uh, what would be the point of that? Um uh being ordinary is perfectly okay and acceptable okay. and uh we're all fine with that yep um we'll all love you the same uh so it doesn't make any difference uh, uh in in that uh way uh but the other thing I, I want to just touch on and and I'll send it around to these other guys but i i i, I don't like this idea uh, of being in a, as you say, a c- creative industry, being in, in the design industry, and this idea of ratcheting up the pressure to be successful within that. I don't think that's good for creativity. I, I don't think it's good for your mental health, frankly, so that's reason enough not to do it. But I don't think it, it, it drives good creativity either. Um, there's a point where diligence and follow-through and polishing things and whatever else will make a difference. But 
uh, that you reach a point of diminishing returns with that pretty quick. And at some point, it's about having inspiration. It's yeah. about being able to receive ideas uh, that just seem to come in, you know, from outer space. Uh, being able to think really outside the box. Being able to have transcendent uh, 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 viewpoints on things. And that comes from having perspective. It comes from being away from the work. It comes from... Uh, uh, you know, having a life outside of work, so um, I think there, there. I, I think that, ironically, the balance might give you more success than trying to uh, respond to the pressure yeah, and yeah, ratchet everything true. up. That's absolutely right. One of the things that's a little difficult about uh, topics like this is wanting to be good at your job and wanting to be successful aren't as as Glenn is pointing out there's nothing inherently really holy about those things right but there's nothing inherently sinful about them it's about your motivation and what you do with it right Lee absolutely I mean one of the things about you know uh, you know the the, uh, the industry that you're in is it's super competitive I mean if you want to be in design or photography or you know videography or something like that one of the problems that you have is that that there are just tens of thousands of people who also do that and, you know, that everybody has Photoshop now and everybody has, you know, uh, Aperture and all, everybody has all this stuff. And so <clears throat> you might have the degree and somebody else might have better ideas or somebody else might have connections and they get the job or they get the work or whatever. You <clears throat> might get really you might be really, really good at it. You might make a really good living at it, get hired by a great firm or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being great at what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with there's actually nothing sinful about being successful. The real question that I would ask and it kind of goes back to some of the things that Glenn was saying where, you know, if you were super su successful, it's not going to necessarily mean that you're happy. One of the questions that that you should ask yourself if you love Jesus is okay, uh successful or, you know, let's say I'm super successful. So what? What next? What do you want to do with this? Um, is is the point of your <clears throat> your art or your design or your eye or your you know your composition or or even your connections or your work and all that kind of stuff? Does it end with the jobs that you have, or is there actually some way that you can turn this into a really cool chance to serve Jesus? Um, with design specifically, you have an opportunity to serve people who really have you know who who have, you know, maybe they're doing something really, really cool for the kingdom. They don't really have a way to let people know that because they have no idea how to use a computer. Um, we, there's a guy that we support at our church who's a, he's an, he's an Indian missionary, a, a guy in Southern India. And, uh, he, the, the work that this guy is doing is absolutely incredible. The, the, uh, the website that they have for their mission is the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's <laughs> the user interface is garbage. When you support this man's ministry, they, they are, their organization, as far as, you know, getting you the information back and all that kind of stuff is terrible. But one of the problems is, is it's hard for him to get connections with bigger churches or with, with other groups who would support him simply because that stuff looks so terrible. I mean, if, if this, this exact same guy doing the exact same ministry had a beautiful front web page 
there are so many people who would look at it and have the conversation at that point the next time the guy's in the States. What if a guy like you says, okay, here's what I want to do. I've got this job. I've got these connections. I'm at this firm. I'm doing this thing. This is my work. But I want to I want to give some of my design away. I'm going to give some of my design away to somebody who can't do this thing for themselves in a way that further God's kingdom. All, all I'm trying to do is, this is a very, that's a very specific way of answering the question, what next? What can you do with what God has given you? Your eye, your composition skills, your design ideas, your sense of, bring, of, of synthesis, bringing things together. What can you specifically do in a way in God's kingdom that nobody else can, that can turn an other Otherwise, you know, successful but miserable or whatever, making money hand over fist, but who cares, career, into yeah. somebody that's doing something really, really stinking cool for the kingdom of God that nobody else can do and, and giving it away. Is there some way for you to answer that question? In other words, God made me this person. I'm good at this thing. What next? So what? How do I make this thing count for eternity, for the kingdom of God? You answer some of those questions, and I think not only will you be good at design, but you really start having fun at that yeah. point, and you really kind of light up your spiritual life. That's a great point. I think another thing we can look at here is, let's say, divorces from the phrase ambition. Let's say your goal is to be successful in your, in your chosen field. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm not sure that being tightly wound and super ladder climbing is actually the best way to get there, right, Jed? Absolutely. Look, I can I can only tell you what my experience has been, but I've I've worked in creative fields for a long time, and uh, I've done at least a little bit of about everything in media production. And um, uh, here's what I can tell you has been true in my experience: people want to work with people they know, and they want to work with people they like. Um, uh, the idea that you would just be so so good and so amazing at the thing you do, and that would just drive work. I've never actually seen that be true. I've, right, I've just right. never seen it be true. Right. Um, you know, people want to work with people they know and with people they like. That's that's been my experience. And if you're super uptight and stressed out and worried and whatnot, and you're not a good hang as a result of that, people are a lot less likely to work with you. Amen. Um, I mean, even in a purely secular sense, I think if you, you know, said, "Look, I'm going to call things good enough," you know, when they hit a B plus in the design level, and I'm going to devote the rest of my time to just networking and hanging out and meeting people and you know collaborating and whatnot. Honestly, that would do way more for your success on a career level. And again, that's leaving anything spiritual out of it. Just yeah. people want to work with people they know, so it's it's kind of about going and becoming everybody's best friend and whatnot. You know, I mean, that's just that's the way the business world works. That's definitely the way, in my experience, anyway, that everything creative works is it's it's driven by um, <clears throat> by connections. But I think the funny thing is. That also relates to what Lee was saying. I want to back that up that the fun is going to have when you tar start taking skills that you have and using them to serve other people. Right. There, there's no question about that. But the way you find those opportunities is by going out and meeting people. Mm -hmm. um, it's by getting involved in a volunteer capacity, whether that's a, a soup kitchen or a church thing or whatever, and just getting to know people. If you have a heart to serve, you have skills to serve with, and you're in the process of meeting people, opportunities to serve will present themselves. Sooner or later, you will meet someone who says, hey, we're doing a thing, but man, we really need somebody to design a flyer for this you know, right. uh, community meal. We just don't have anybody to do it. So well, I can do that. I'd be happy to do that. But it's about getting, it's about getting out there and, and meeting people. What I can tell you, the thing that I have watched really I think everybody I know in a creative field fall into is detail obsession on this particular thing. Okay. Whether it's a mix or a production, a film edit, a graphic design, a, yes. a revision of a text, the thing they all fall prey to, me included, is obsessing over 
the particular work that's right in front of me. Right. This film, this ad, this design, this edit, I've got to get this perfect. If you give me just two more hours, I can get it perfect. It's two things. And, and often that's one little detail on that one project. Exactly right. First of all, there is no perfect. Perfect right. does not exist. Right. Um, you know, uh, there, there, every film you watch, there are things wrong with it. Every mix you hear, there are things wrong with it. Every design you see, there are things wrong with it. There is no perfect. The other is the two hours that you're spending on chasing the dragon, so to speak, on perfection, is two hours you're not spending networking with other people in your right. field, and it's two hours you're not spending out serving people, making connections towards using your gifts to bless other people. Either of those things would be way more fruitful than that two hours of focused obsession yeah. trying to uh, polish something that's already fine. Well, and if I could jump in there, here's the thing. Part of what Lee was talking about is, is he says, okay, let's look at next steps. If you... Are, if you perceive, I am good at this, and I love doing this. I, if that's who you are, then, you know, what, is, what do things look like at that point? And a lot of what Jed is talking about is, is living into that. But here's the thing. Uh, we deal, uh, as Jed said, with a lot of creative types, musicians, writers, etc. And here's the thing. We get convinced as we get to know some of those individuals that they don't think they're good yeah. at what they do, uh-huh. and they don't exactly love doing it. Yeah. They're looking for something external to say, you've arrived. You're now officially a, <coughs> a, a design person or an architect or an artist or a musician or whatever it is. Yeah. Here's the thing. If... The only way to arrive at that is you decide. Yeah, that's correct. No, there's nothing else. Uh, you decide, I like my design, mm-hmm. and I like doing my design. And whoever doesn't get that is whatever. So the, the now, uh, as Matt was talking about, uh, ambition, success, and whatever, all those different things are a function of an entirely different thing. That's disconnected to yep. my perception of myself. Well, and my that's perce- also a function of, of what makes something cool, what you're talking about right there. Yes. Yeah, so if... It, here's what else is interesting. Incorporating what Jed was saying, this obsession on let me make it better is based on the idea of I have not arrived, I do not love this thing yep. that I'm doing, and I am not good at it. So let me polish it, polish it, polish it, and polish it. Let me improve and tweak and adjust and adjust and adjust, trying to get people like it, trying to get so that they will validate me and I can say that I've arrived and so on and so forth. Uh, That comes from a a, a place of not, uh, you know, uh, uh, accepting and loving yourself and what it is that you're doing. But I think if you do that, if you say... As, as Jed was clearly articulating, th- this is a good mix. It doesn't need this last little tweak and adjustment. Um, the, you know, the only dogs can hear the difference of what it is that you're working <laughs> on at this point, so on and so forth. And I like this mix, and I like doing this, and it's starting to not be so much fun, so that's a bad sign, and so on and so forth. <coughs> but what happens at that point is, if you say, this is a good mix or this is a good piece of design, or whatever, here's what's interesting. The next thought in your mind is, success or failure is not really because I am good or not good, or accepted or not accepted. 
Success or failure has to do with the things Jeb was talking about, which is putting yourself out there. Yep. And it also has to do with God opening doors. Yep. That's the part that you're missing okay. in this. Is um, uh, uh, you're looking for where does God fit in? The Bible says the race doesn't always go to the swift. The, the yeah. It's not always the person with the best design that, that, that succeeds. You're trying to uh, sort of force people to have to give you success because you've worked hard and polished and you have the best design. That's not how life works That's at all. True. Sometimes God blesses people to succeed when they have a balanced life and they have good solid design and they take interesting and creative choices and they get rewarded for that. That's absolutely great. You've heard a lot of good stuff on this, even if, especially if you're kind of of a creative bit. But I want to go back <coughs> to something you said in your question, and maybe we'll finish off here. It says, I know a little ambition is good. Who told you that? Because <laughs> here's what the Bible says, not to go all Bible on you, but this is in Galatians 5, starting in verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Those are bad. Idolatry and witchcraft. Those are bad. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Those are bad. Selfish ambition. Oh. Dissensions, factions, and envy. (coughs) Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. (laughs) Now, when your thing... Now, when you say orgies... When your thing (laughs) is on a list in the Bible with orgies... I think the the idea that a dab will do you... Orgies was a, the chaser there. Yeah, a yeah. little of it's fine. When it's orgies and the like, and the like is the thing you're talking just about... Just a little bit of orgies. Yeah, just a little discord <laughs> and sexual that's, that's debauchery. not going to work. Just a bit. <laughs> here's a, here's the thing we, we do quite often in our lives, which we talk a lot on the show because we are Western American people, of kind of this Western culture. And there's been several hundred years at this point of trying to blend and mix Americanism and capitalism and Christianity and have them all balance and work, and they don't. Yeah. But people keep trying. So people say something like, a little ambition is good, but don't let it run away on you and ruin your life. That sounds perfectly reasonable. It's just super not biblical. Right. (laughs) So you can have that opinion, and it makes total sense, but you're in what the danger of it, and the reason it's not biblical, we'll point this out, is you're not letting Jesus into that part of your life. Right. In the same way that the people at the orgy are not letting to probably Jesus. not pray up whether or not they should be here or not. Yeah. Okay. If you start out with a thing that says, I know ambition's good. Now, what does Jesus want me to do given that? Right. That's always a problem. Right, right. You got to go back to zero. Now, as we pointed out earlier, and that's not ambition. That idea of selfish ambition is about your motivation. Right, that's right, not the right. same as wanting to be good at your job. Right. It's not the same as wanting to be successful. Right. It's right. actually not the same as wanting to have some financial security. There's actually right, nothing right, right. wrong with any of those. But this idea of selfish ambition, I think, is that selfish word is very important. Because you say, well, why do you want to be good at your job? Well, I, I do. Let's even take it out of a creative field. I do this thing, and it's a lot more fun when I'm good at it than when I screw it up, and that means I'm going to get more jobs, and it just makes more sense to try to be good at it because sure. that's the way it works. Makes total sense. Sure. Why do you want to be good at this job? Because then I'll be the best. <laughs> <laughs> what What happens if you're the best? I'm, I'm better than you. Better than everyone. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. probably not a great way to get there. So you, a big thing, you know, you know. When you're going through this kind of thing, if you know super competitive and super successful, you got to take a look at your motivations because these guys point out at the end of the day, what are you winning? 
Right. Yep. I mean, it's kind of, it, you know, what does it benefit you to forfeit your soul but gain the world? It's more trimmed down to that. What does it benefit you to forfeit your whole mental health to gain right. maybe nothing, maybe a small amount of money? Well, see, and Matt is so right, because to build on that, this is the thing, and this is, it's true in everything, but it's more true in creative fields. You can't force success. Right. Right. You yeah. can't, at the end, if you're in design, if you're in any creative field, at some point, you create something that is creative, you show it to a client. And it's up to whether or not they like it. Right. And the thing is, you and sometimes it's a stupid client. Sometimes it's a very not smart client. Right. Um, you can't force them to like the thing that you made. It doesn't right. matter how hard you worked on it. It doesn't. I've had projects that I've done where it's like, well, I, I guess that's something. And a person who had an incredible pedigree said, I love it. It's amazing. And I've had stuff I've worked on where it's like, this is, no one could dislike this. This is the greatest thing of all time. And, eh, no, I think this is terrible. I think you should just put zero and start over. Um, and I know, I just, I have a word of knowledge that's been true in your life too. You right. cannot force people to like the creative work that you do. Well, and to take it out of this creative thing, because you may have noticed as we go around the table, I'm the only one of the podcast who's never been involved in a creative profession, and I super don't want to be. Yeah. Because it sounds rough, but that's the same for any job. Yeah. You can show yeah. up and do the right things and make the grades and do the assignment, and you might still get fired. Yeah. And so the question is, What's what? What are we putting into it versus what are we getting out of it? What's it costing us as far as sanity? And these are the right questions to be asking yourself as you're trying to continue to polish this off. All right, we're gonna go move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, "I had this boyfriend a few months back. We had sex. We were in love. This is very Hemingway-esque prose so far. Absolutely. He believes in God, but doesn't view him the way I do. I do. So I broke up with him. Afterward, he said, "That's by the way, he referring to the boyfriend here." It was good. I want to marry someone who encourages me to grow in my faith. He said he couldn't do that. He also said that he wants to put his wife first, whereas I see me and my husband putting God first always. The problem is we still, ha we still have feelings for each other. I'm so torn. Help. Lee, why don't you start us off? Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm from the South, and so the only way I can start this is by saying, bless your heart. Um, <laughs> I... It feels very like, important for you non-Southerners. That's the legitimate "bless your heart," not the passive-aggressive "bless your heart." Yeah. There's a difference in tone. Yes, bless your heart. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm sorry this is going down this way, but here, here's here's the thing: is I, I feel like I feel like you are trying desperately to uh, to nurture, you know, an emotional, you know, uh, cultivate emotions on a thing that is already gone. It yep. wasn't a good yeah. idea when it happened. When it when it ended, you had legitimate reasons for ending it. When you ended it, the guy said it was a good idea. You didn't have the same goals. You looked at your uh, the the things that are at the heart of your life. Your the way that you believe about God, the way that he believes about God, what what you think should be at the center of a marriage relationship, all of these things, you you don't see eye to eye on any of that. You broke up. It was, you know, everybody says it's good. He, he can't take care of you the way that you, you, what your goal for a marriage is and that kind of stuff. He just flat out said, I can't do that for you. And yet, now that it's over, you're like, but I'm so torn. And and the the way that that feels for me is, it feels like you're trying to uh, you're nurturing something that is over that needs to be over, and and because of that, these emotions are not letting you move on at all. Um, it's it's one of these things where you're it's like you're trying to say, okay, okay, 
I, I know that this didn't work, but can I make it work? Sure. Uh, can, can I just, maybe if we do, if, 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 I, if I change this a little bit here, and if I, if I worked harder on this edge a little bit here, <clears throat> I just feel like I could really, I could, I could really bowl a strike on this. If I, if, I just, if I just tweaked this just a little bit, then maybe I could make this work. And instead of taking a bad situation and figuring out how can I make it a little bit better than something that really wasn't good at all, what if you go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, is it possible that you have something super awesome for me? And what would be the first steps in me heading in that direction? Um, this thing, there was things about it. I, 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 one time, this, and this was like maybe three years ago or something like that. It's something that Glenn said before. I read it on, on a post that he'd had on his blog that people tend to look at things in their lives and they just kind of like, like, you know, nice moments and relationships that maybe were bad, but they had nice, you know, good memories and stuff like that. And they tend to kind of live on those emotional moments rather than just saying, that was a nice moment. It was a cool memory. I'm going to look at that as a, as a, uh, a pearl in my life and string it on the string of pearls and move on to the next thing. I can't have that whole thing because it was, it was bad. It, it, that did not work. But I'm going to enjoy that for what that was, for that memory and everything. And then I'm going to ask the Lord, how good could your plan for me be? And what would be the first steps towards going towards the thing that you want for me? The thing is, God wants for you a husband that puts Jesus first, that can take care of you in that way. All of these, some of these goals that you're talking about that you want, that, those are really, really good goals. And if you've got a guy saying, I can't do that for you, I don't see God that way, I don't see marriage that way, and in fact, you breaking up with me for those reasons, that's probably a good idea. It is really time to figure out how do I move on to this and how do I get to the place where I'm asking God, instead of making this thing okay, how, do I, how good could it be if I go down God's path for me? Well, that's the right, I think that's absolutely the right thing to pick up on. I think part of what you're going through here is you don't have a vision of what the goal of your relationship would be, so you can't really, this didn't fit into the goal is not a, doesn't feel like a great enough reason to let it go, even though it is. And I think getting a hold of that goal is a good way to step forward, right, Jed? I think you're right, man. Well, there are phrases that Christians use a lot that that are right. They just they tend to not really know what they mean. So you say, you know, we want to be a couple that puts God first. That is the right answer. But I think the question is, do you know what that would practically speaking look like lived out in reality? Um, I mean, unfortunately. Um, if you just took a scan on any given day of most marriages of Christians and most marriages of non-Christians, you would see almost no difference between the two. Um, I mean, just so what is it? What is what does all that mean? Well, I think if you and I think this is part of what Lee is pointing to too is, I think if you get into the nuts and bolts of saying God has something for me in my life. Now, part uh-huh. of that yes is there's relational stuff and you know there'd be you know a guy and love and marriage at some point. But there's just an adventure and a journey that he has for me to be on. And I'm going to start investing myself in that. In some way, that's going to involve serving other people. But I'm going to start living out and living into that life. What you'll discover very quickly along the way is only a certain kind of guy could join you on that journey. Um, You'd have to be very specific because if he's not... um, he, if he's not the right kind of guy, then either you guys couldn't be together or you couldn't be on that journey. Uh, and putting God first means, no, I'm definitely going to be on this journey. So it's got to be the kind of guy that can be on the journey with me. In my own life, 
I was working full-time in vocational ministry when I met my wife, but there was a period of a couple years before I met her where I was working in ministry, and, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to, to meet the right kind of girl. I just couldn't imagine what that would be. Right. Um, you know, because, you know, I, I was choosing to put God first in my life, but that meant I have no money. Um, right. I have super weird hours. I go into terrible crime-ridden neighborhoods. Um, you know, I don't have a nice car. I can't, I don't really have the money to take anybody on dates. Who on earth would sign up for that? Right. You know, and I you know, slowly thought through and prayed through, well, she'd have to be like this and she'd have to feel this way. She, you know, it wouldn't be enough for her to think what I did was neat. She'd have to be like, no, that's amazing and it's what you're called to do and we've got to work together to make sure that happens and whatnot. And so when I met... My wife, I mean, of course, the first thing I was bowled over by was the fact that she was super, super hot, which is wrong. And that's not the first thing you should pay attention to. Right. And that's probably not the first thing I paid attention to. And it was totally the first thing I paid attention to. But after that, after that first thing I paid attention to, the thing I realized is this, as I got to know Hallie, was this is the kind of girl that I could actually build a life together with that we actually could... I could do the things God's calling me to do. She could do the things God's calling her to do. We could support each other in that, and we would be putting God first in our life, in our relationship. But if you don't have a sense of any of that, if it just kind of comes down to, um, hey, I just, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and Bible study on Wednesday, and somewhere in there is the idea that God's going to be first, and I want a person that buys into that, well, that, that's pretty nonspecific. Um, I don't know that you've figured out yet what it would mean for God to be first. So you can't really figure out if another person could join you on that or not. And I, and I think we need to investigate what does that life look like for you first so that we can know what that dude would have to do in order to fit into it. That's a great point. I think one of the things we're dealing with in this question that happens in a lot of breakups, and I would guess this may be one of your kind of first relationships based on that, is this idea you say, well, we still have all these feelings for each other and I'm torn. Actually, just having feelings about a breakup doesn't indicate that that breakup was a wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. You'll always have feelings about a breakup. So, but I think the big crux of this question that we haven't touched on yet is, so then what do we do with all the feelings? And Glenn yeah. has a very smart thing he said before in this podcast about kind of mourning a breakup. And can you walk us through that, Glenn? Yeah, I think it's important to, to mourn uh, uh, almost as you would a death, in a sense, um, uh, to mourn. Uh, Which is pretty the accurate. There was this entity that is the two of you that is no yeah. longer existent. <coughs> yeah, the, the relationship uh, is dead, so to speak. And, and you want to process that. You want to look at what would I have done differently. You've, you've asked yourself whether you've made smart decisions here, and you have. Uh, so um, well done you. Um, it, it was it was the right call to make, and it was a shame that it had to be made. Um, th- there isn't much else to analyze there, but what what I want to zoom in on is I think the heart of the struggle that you're having is I I noticed that that Christians have a way of thinking of sentimentality as being particularly a Christian thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this, Jen, but friends are friends forever. If the Lord's the Lord of them, Glenn. <laughs> That's right. friend will not say never. I don't really know what you're referencing, but I have a feeling I'd like it to stop. You, you're, uh, that's a uh, 90s uh, praise and worship Though song. Though it's hard to let you go, in the Father's hands, we know yeah. that a lifetime 
it's not too long. All right, look, if we right. get sued for the Rocky <laughs> theme, that's one thing. If we get sued because you two are barking out terrible 90s Christian songs, that I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, here's the thing. Um, I think there's a, a tendency of nostalgia and sentimentality being wound up in our faith, this idea that our faith uh, is really bound by these uh, sentimental relationships and and the sense of permanence and stability yeah. that come from those relationships and that there's a meaning in those relationships that's that's wound together with our walk um that's actually not how this thing is supposed to work the, yeah. uh, 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 the apostle paul says forgetting what is behind me i strain forward to take a hold of those things for which Christ took hold of me. Mm -hmm. uh, everything about the Christian walk is moving on, moving forward. That's the essence and the heart of what it means to walk this walk. We cannot uh, stay in the same place, uh, put our roots down and say, um, a blessed life is one that never changes and with the relationships that never evolve and grow and whatever. And I thought we'd be together forever. Therefore, this is the worst tragedy of all time that it breaks up. That's not how these things work. Sometimes, as Lee was suggesting, it's good for a season and then it's yep. kind of not. And, and let's remember the good times and celebrate that and honor that and recognize that in the big picture, it was a bad idea, but it doesn't mean there weren't some awesome moments to that. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to be able to move on, and moving on is important. There needs to be another guy in your life, and that's not a tragedy. That's not a weirdness. That's not a, a bad thing. Uh, but what happens is if we don't do that, we get stuck, and, I, and that's what I'm really trying to caution you against or, or help you break out of. I remember... When I was in uh, high school, I dated a gal, and, and it was one of those where, you know, we were really close and thought it would really work and very passionate, and then it just kind of it just did not, and then, just, then, then it crashed, and it was over. Okay. So I go off to college, I come back, and I'm, I'm back for the summer, and I'm working at Target. Sure, like you do. Let me tell you what. I had my, back then they made you wear a tie if you worked at Target. I had my little knit tie. <laughs> and the other thing they made you wear if you worked at Target back then was the red vest. Absolutely. I had the red vest with a name tag, the knit tie. And you know what? It was like catnip to the ladies. You just look sharp. Ladies and love it, a man in a Target uniform. Let me tell you what. And and this gal came in. And we saw each other. And it's like, whoa, you know, and memories and things. And we got to talking. And she was, you know. Yeah, she was uh, digging the flavor there, you know. And here's what the thought I had in my mind was, why did we ever break up? Sure. This is awesome. I mean, we're just clicking and we're everything's right. great. And I said, you know what, let's get some dinner and catch up and talk about life and so on and so forth. Oh, that would be great. And we would, <laughs> bless her heart. It, it, believe me, it's more me than her. We sit there having dinner five minutes oh. in. Oh, that's why. Oh, this is why. Oh, my Lord Jesus. Check, please. How can I get out of this? And <laughs> what on earth am I thinking? That's the thing. Is in a, in a weird way, I think I kind of ruined that whole thing. Uh, it would have been better 
again, to have those positive memories, to focus on that, and to be able to move on. Well, you know, just to jump in, I think in a weird way, that kind of plays into the kind of the whole cult of the nice guy, mm-hmm. right? You know, if you, if you meet a nice guy, then it should just work. And, yeah. and you know, why can't it? Life just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Life, life is complicated. Because part of what's going on with this question is you're describing things where I'm sure he's not a perfect dude, but it sounds like he was in his own way trying to be cool about certain aspects of this. Like Lisa saying, hey, you want stuff that I can't do. Uh, right. That's actually the right thing for him to do is to be right. upfront about I can't I can't exactly. be for you the thing that you want these are my boundaries you know right. you know he's trying to be cool well the thing is I think there's something in our brains that said well how but if he's going to be cool then surely we could just make it work right except it, it doesn't work that if way if this was right. a romantic comedy the part where he says well I just want you to be happy even if it's not with me is the moment where I know we're supposed to get married so we should do that right exactly <laughs> right I mean everybody I think what we have in our brains is if I date someone I discover they're a total jerk well then I break up with them and, mm-hmm. and, and I mm-hmm. feel good about that decision but the problem is there are very few total jerks in the world Right. Um, uh, most people are a mix of jerky behavior and nice behavior. Right. And then we go, what do I do with that? Well, I think that's a great point. I think it also goes back to kind of what Glenn was talking about in the morning, because mature breakups in a weird way are a lot more emotionally tough than immature ones. Absolutely. Because you don't get the yelling, screaming, yeah. stomping. Right. I clearly hate your guts. You don't get any of the emotion of it out. Yeah. As well, with the immature breakup, that's not getting that emotion out in a healthy way, really. Yeah. But you're getting it out. As Glenn's yeah. pointing out, if you don't do anything with those lingering feelings, you're just left with a lot of kind of half-baked nostalgia and it leaves you in neutral. Yeah. You've got to move on. And whether yeah. that's, you know... Crying, ice cream, stomping your feet, staring out the window plaintively while it rains. Whatever you do to move on, you got to kind of do that. Well, to that point, you know, Glenn was talking about high school. For me, I had a girl that I dated when I was in high school. And um, she, not surprisingly, was way more mature than I was. And she broke up with me. And it was, you know, kind of similar to what you're saying here, where it's like, we can't be what each other wants. Right. We're, we're, that's that's not going to happen, and it, which was and it was true, and it was the right move to break up off of that. And I wanted to demonize her, and I right. I worked really real hard. She's terrible. She's awful. She's no good. Right. She's not. Right. She, right. she was she was right, and it was the right move. And I I made myself miserable for a year and a half to protest mm. that mm. decision when the right move for everyone right. would have been. For me to go date someone else. Right. <laughs> on, on every conceivable metric. Right. But I was a moron. Right. So right. don't be like me. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. A, that's as, always as, good advice. It's really, don't be like Jed. Don't be like Jed. Don't be like anyone on this podcast. Do, yeah, that, do, learn that from our truth. mistakes. All right. Moving on to our final question here. It came in anonymously with our Tumblr. It says, is waiting to establish a relationship with someone before sharing your faith with them a good thing? In my experience, it is the hardest to share your faith with friends and family because of the potential loss of a friend there. It seems much easier to share when you've just met the person. Also, if my friend is very nice to me and shows me love, I never think, boy, I'd like to know what he, what, about the God he believes in. So is being nice to someone for years necessary before sharing your faith? Thoughts? Jed, you have thoughts. I always have thoughts. I think, my friend, you may have been told some very weird things about evangelism and sharing your faith. Um, if you had a favorite restaurant, it would not occur to you, maybe I shouldn't talk about this restaurant in case this other person becomes offended and never wants to talk to me again. <laughs> right. Because that would be super weird. They're going to persecute me for liking Hardee's. <laughs> 
Their biscuits are just so delicious. Why can't you understand that? Um, <laughs> I have a friend who is not interested in anything spiritual. I mean, he, he is a full-on heathen, and, and he is devout in his heathenness. It's a few years ago, we were having dinners. It was around Christmas, and we hadn't talked in a while. And, and um, he was – it was actually several years ago. It, it was kind of – I first started, you know – taking things more seriously with me and Jesus. And he was asking me, how are you doing? How's your event? Dude, it's actually been really good. It's been, it's been, I think, a big year for me. He's like, well, tell me about that. I said, well, man, I, I don't know if it makes any sense, but I feel like I've been able to connect with God in, in, in a real way this year. You know, at least it's different than it's been, and I'm, I'm getting a lot of joy about that. Well, before I tell you his reaction, let me pause and say, this dude doesn't believe any of this stuff. He doesn't, right. you know, he doesn't think there's a God up in the sky. He doesn't down with any of this religious stuff. He doesn't like any of it. But he is my buddy. So let's hit play. Here's what he said. Dude, that's awesome. I'm happy you're happy. Right. It's fantastic. Well, here's the thing. That's me sharing my faith. Yeah. Right. Um, in, in every substantive way. Because the underlying idea is, if you're ever interested in talking about you and God, I'll be here. Right, um, right, right. I'm just saying, here's my favorite restaurant. Here's this thing that works for me. I'm not trying to put that on you. I'm not saying it has to be your favorite restaurant. I'm right. just saying it's, it's made a real impact in my life. He was cool with that. Uh, and again, this is a dude that's not into that scene at all. I tell you that story to say this. If you have people in your life where you have a friendship and you're like, hey, man, you know, the Jesus thing's helping me out and that, that works for me. And they go, how dare you? Well, that's... That's actually kind of on them. Right, um, right. And, you know, I mean, but that almost never happens. Right. Um, the idea that you'd be talking with someone and you're being cool about stuff, you're saying, hey, uh, you know, um, you know, is, you know, ups and downs in my life, but, you know, my faith is a big part of keeping me grounded and, you know, thinking about, you know, the love God has for me, that, that helps a lot, you know, in the midst of that. People are almost never offended by that. Right. So we may want to ask, what is your idea of sharing your faith? Um, because if it's immediately offending people in a consistent way where you're thinking, maybe I should never, ever do this with my friends, we need to re-examine that idea of what sharing your faith looks like. <laughs> I think it's absolutely right. I think one of the things that contributes to that is you say, you know, is it worth you know, having a friendship for several years so you can spring the sharing the faith with the, um, <laughs> people can pick up on that. Yeah. yeah. And that's weird. Yeah. yeah. And it's also very different than what in the uh, ministry parlance is called relational ministry, mm -hmm. which is having a relationship with someone and then having some ministry flow out of that. And Lee specializes in a lot of that. Can you walk us through those differences, Lee? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, my, my guess is that... <coughs> that what you've seen is is the opposite of of what Jed's talking about which the opposite of that is you know kids who go to the mall on purpose and what they're going to do is walk into the mall and then they are going to accost people who are there to do their shopping and talk hey, to Lee? them about hey, Jesus. Hey Lee. Lee, I know you're in the middle of something right now but I just have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? <laughs> Lee I'm just trying to buy some shoes, Jed. <laughs> I just want to go to get some hibachi chicken. So that's the whole deal is like that that's what that, that that's kind of the uh, for a lot of people that's the opposite is you just you just go up to strangers and you just start and 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 what people will sell you on and this and this actually happened in the church that I grew up on grew up in was like Hey, this past week, did you witness to anybody? Did you witness to anybody, Glenn? Did you witness to anybody, Jed? What was your witness? 
And that's let's that's, go to the witnessing tote board. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, that was totally this. This was no lie. A question that was asked to me uh, very, very regularly in the church that I grew up in. Every you know, most every week of my entire life growing up was, did you witness? Who did you witness to? And that's and and the idea was, if you're not willing to go into the mall and 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 stop a stranger and ask them if they're going to hell, then you are ashamed of Jesus, and He will be ashamed of you. Wow. Yeah. And so the the opposite of that thing is, you have a full and balanced life where you love Jesus and you have friends and you like to hang out and you have stuff that you're into, you have hobbies, the whole thing, and you get to know people who don't know Jesus. And you get to know them and you actually become their friend, you're interested in their life, you guys hang out together, you talk about stuff, you do things that are fun that have nothing to do with Jesus whatsoever, you just have a relationship and you actually just become friends. And at, at some point, a conversation, much like the one that Jed just described, will naturally happen. I can tell you as somebody who does, who does a fair amount of that, and, have, and, and I have done that for over a decade, that I prefer sitting in a one-on-one conversation talking to somebody about Jesus way more than standing up in a room full of 500 people and, and giving the message about Jesus. I've done both of those things. I way prefer the one-on-one thing yeah, because we yeah. can talk about where you are. I know you. I know what you've been through. I know what the things are. If, if, if I get a chance to talk to a room filled with you know 500 high school kids about Jesus, that is fantastic. And, and if somebody gives me the opportunity to do it, I'm going to try to do that as best as I can. However, I would much prefer, and, 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 and know this, I would rather do that, that thing in a situation where I know that those kids are then going to go to smaller groups with leaders who actually do have relationships with them, who can unpack all the things that I say and know their experiences and all that kind of stuff and, 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 you know, follow up with that. That's the best possible scenario there for me to just give a talk. And then everybody leaves the room and goes on about their lives. I don't see a whole lot of value in that. I would much rather be in a one-on-one conversation with somebody whose life I know and I've built into and anyone can do that. You can do that. You can do that starting this week. Amen. That's absolutely right. The, uh, the aspect we haven't touched on yet here is the witnessing to friends and family. Yes. You want to walk through that, Glenn? Yeah. Uh, everyone in professional ministry will tell you uh, it's basically somewhere between uh, impossible and next to impossible to witness to your friends and family. Yeah. That's uh, in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, Jesus had problems with his own mother and brothers. So he had problems with people who knew him from his hometown. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, and I think if you, if you think about it, uh, there's a reason why people are more honest with cab drivers or yeah. barkeeps or whatever, yeah. uh, bartenders, because uh, the anonymity um, it makes it a lot easier to be vulnerable. Uh, so maybe they deserve to to be you know have these conversations with someone who's more of a neutral third party. Uh, but I and, and I absolutely agree with what Lee is saying here. I think you have to be upfront from the beginning and make it clear what you're about, what your beliefs are. Um, but I think here's the piece that you may be missing with all of this is how can I make it clear that 
I am about this faith thing, and I will be at some point bugging you about that. But whatever your decision that you make about that will exactly. not affect our relationship. Yep. Yeah, say that. That's too. the big key here. Um, I, I, won't, um, I won't name drop, but I have a, a buddy of mine that's known, okay, and uh, he's like a known person. And I was preaching in a church uh, here in Chicago, and he came uh, to the church because to, to, to hear me preach there. And he's also known to be uh, an atheist dude, to the people who, who are familiar with him. And so I, I thought that was a very, uh, and very uh, enjoyable. And so when I got up to talk, I, I stopped everything and pointed at him and said, ooh, look. I, literally, I said, ooh, look. And everybody turned around and look. There's an atheist here. And um, uh, <laughs> not there's a guy famous the world over. Well, yeah, that doesn't I, really turn you on. But I no. brought an atheist to church. Yeah, that this, can is, this is there's an atheist here, and then I mentioned who he was, which you know really really didn't help. And then and and then I said, uh, you know, I just brought him here uh, so I could multitask while while preaching to you. I could also bug him about his lack of faith. And it got a good laugh, which was the point, and, the, and, and I went on with the sermon. But afterwards, this is interesting, the guy actually, bless his heart, very sweet, very sensitive guy, grabbed me and he said, you shouldn't have said that. And I said, what do you mean? He says, you, you, don't, you don't actually bug me about that. I'm, I don't feel put upon, and you shouldn't even joke about that. You shouldn't let people think that you bug me because you don't. I ask you a lot of questions, and, and, and that's where a lot of the conversation comes from. And I was like, well, you know, you know, who cares? Plus, I got a good laugh. But then he said exactly the same thing that, that I'm trying to point out here, which is he said, from the beginning, it's funny how you do something accidentally right and then you learn from it, you know? Right. He said, from the beginning, you always made me feel as though you were going to, our relationship was going to be the same and we were going to be friends regardless of what I decided uh, spiritually. That's the whole and, thing. And that was a big, that's, that's, that's how you and I still know each other like that. So I think that's maybe sort of the key that you're looking for is it can be part of the conversation that you're having with this person. It can be part of, it should be part of that relationship for sure. You know, every now and then, a, hey, I'm praying for you. I know you ain't into that, but, you know, regulations say, I got a, I got a giggy on it. Once every, uh, you know, I lose my my card at the Baptist church, so I got I got to give you, <laughs> I got to give you a little shot. I got to pray for you, and buggy about it. But, you know, I love you. You know, I got to make my case when you're ready. You know, you know, we'll do that. But meanwhile, I'm here for you on that, and I love you anyway, regardless of what you're on. I think that's great, and I don't think as, as Judd's saying here. I don't think anybody's really going to complain no. about that. And that's absolutely right, and that also the and we'll close out on this. That helps take the pressure off, and really what we're talking about all this witnessing, sharing your faith, is you got to take the pressure off yourself and off the other person because that just seeps into the whole thing, mm -hmm. and that really comes mm -hmm. around the two things we talked about here. One is this relationship will continue whether or not you make your tearful confession to the Lord that I can tell everyone in my small group about how I can bring right. in an atheist who's to say that's <laughs> why I'm doing this or not. Right. And 
here's the thing. We're going to be friends, and if this stuff comes up, it comes up. Right, that's right. Everybody on this podcast has friends they've been friends with for 10, 12 years, never really talked to Jesus about them. Right. They right. know what we're about and what yep. we do for a living, and it's just never come up. So yeah. back to Jed's uh, restaurant, drawing an analogy to everyday things, if I'm really into sports and I sit down with a friend who I know isn't into sports and they don't ask me, I'm not going to bring it up because they right. don't want to talk about it. I just right. feel like Matt's talking about me right now and it's really uncomfortable. But that, that doesn't mean I'm ashamed of sports or that I have forsaken the name of sports before men. Right. It just means this person doesn't, isn't ready to talk about it. Matt, here's it, what it, here's what it makes Jed me feel like. If gets interested in sports, he knows he can ask you. Totally. Well, here's, what, here's the thing. As one of Matt's friends that we do talk about sports, Matt, I just, feel like, I just feel like you're... I feel like your your interest in sports with me just it's it's just become tainted. I don't I don't feel like you really are interested in sports. If you're not willing to to talk to Jed about it, I just don't know if sure. if you're really into sports at all. I can't tell you how happy it would make me if I climbed in the car because Matt and I grab food late at night all the time. If I climbed in the car with Matt, he's trying to be. Have I shared with you the good news of the Heisman Trophy? I just need to tell you about that right now today. Do you know for sure if you died tonight? <laughs> That you'd know enough about the Chicago Bulls. To get into heaven. To get into heaven. Mm -hmm. But on a serious tip, and to your point, periodically, just in life, I will have sports questions. And when I do, I go, I have a sports question for you. (laughs) Jed and I were just, we're sitting down having a hamburger, and he literally goes, so wait, what, is there a thing with like, the balls weren't inflated enough? What is all that about? Yeah. With the deflate gate thing. That's beautiful. And we can have that conversation. Absolutely. I also, it, being from the state of Tennessee and having gone to the University of Tennessee, I have to point out that there's no good news about the Heisman Trophy. Okay. There's not been good news about the Heisman Trophy since 1997 <laughs> when that terrible defensive bat got it and tainted everything forever. Take it easy. Take it easy. Yeah, he, he had one good game against Ohio State, and ESPN gave him that trophy through sheer advertising, and you know it, Younger. Stop trying to force your religion on me! <laughs> All right, we should probably get out before this We're gets We're not going to start worse. this conversation. <laughs> I, I'm the one person who doesn't actually care about this. But Brad Warren, I know you're listening. Shut up. Yeah, t- <laughs> my, my boys like Thomas and some other folks who listen to this would never forgive me if I didn't stick up for our, our sainted Peyton Manning there. All right, we have a closing song. It's from <clears throat> Chicago electro-pop duo Something Epic. It's called yes. I Am The Storm. It's about finding some comfort and some courage from God when you're going through a lot of chaos. We talked about that on this episode. You can get more great stuff from like this song, which debuted on Bridgebox by going to missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Thanks for listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, fighting Russians in eagle costumes to make it warmer so you don't have to. Force that shakes me